Well, it's just fantastic to be in, a, in our home church again. It's, it's always very precious. And what I'm going to share, it actually, God started speaking this in early February last year, and I've been hearing it throughout the year. So I feel very compelled to share it. And it is this, Psalm 24 and open doors in 2024. I sense that 2024 is a significant year and Psalm 24 is important for 2024. And the Lord throughout last year kept confirming this through a natural sign. Um, The temperature gauge of our home ventilation system was a 24, 24, an extraordinary number of times. And I just kept hearing Psalm 24 for 2024. So I'm just very briefly going to touch on a few points God's highlighted and four related doors to the psalm. The first thing Psalm 24 declares is that the whole world, the earth, everything in it, all belong to God because He created it. And it is important to know He is sovereign over all. Because prophetically, we are in stormy times of trouble, in days of war and battle, as Job describes. Secondly, uh, Psalm 24 says that God is calling us to ascend the mountain of the Lord above the increasing storms and chaos and stand in His holy place daily. You know, the heights of his presence are like the eye of the storm where peace reigns supreme. And if we live from the mountain heights, despite the troubles we face, this is our promise from from Romans 8.37. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. And this is where he wants us to live in, 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 in this coming year. And God promises he will enable us to stand on the heights if we choose to open an important door. It's a door to where we receive ongoing power to stand. And this is the door of greater intimacy. Revelation 3.20, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. What a precious personal invitation to enjoy greater intimacy with Jesus and feast on his delights. And, and that is, we, uh, Jody mentioned consecration. This is, you know, will you respond? Will you fully open the door of your life and welcome Jesus in, in utter and complete surrender and consecration to him? Because there is another door. There's a passage that follows straight after this in Revelation 4.1. And it's the door of greater revelation. Where John writes, Then I looked and I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice I'd heard before spoke and said, Come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. You see, if you open wide your door to Jesus... He will give you a personal invitation to greater revelation through this open door in heaven. So will you respond and choose to come up higher through that open door? It is awesome. 
the wonderful revelations that God has for us, for our own lives, for understanding um, how to navigate what lies ahead. Then thirdly, Psalm 24 states that only those with pure hands and pure hearts can ascend the mountain of the Lord. You know, Jesus is passionate about his bride and he is passionately after a pure, holy bride um, that doesn't compromise with the world's ways. And about 14 months ago, this is what Jesus said. I am cleaning house to prepare for my glory that is coming. And I sense this refers to the church globally so that the house of God is a holy dwelling place for his glory. And here's our challenge. Will you surrender to the Holy Spirit to spring clean your house? Because this brings us to these most incredible doors, the doors for the King of glory. And Psalm 24, 7 says, Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors and let the king of glory come in. And it says it twice. It's important. It matters. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty in battle. The Lord mighty in battle. The Lord almighty. He is the king of glory. And this is a corporate invitation to the church, to God's people, to open wide the doors for the King of glory to come in. You see, Jesus really wants to fulfill Ezekiel 44.4 that says, I looked and I saw the glory of the Lord filling his temple. You know, God has so much more. We've had precious foretastes of his glory. But I see the time when, when the doors of this church and doors elsewhere will open so wide that it, the glory of the Lord will fill the temple, the manifest presence of the King of glory. And that will be an, an unprecedented time. And then there's a final door. Um, this was some weeks before Christmas. Jesus said this, you know, I'd been praying about this year ahead. And he said, and this is so encouraging and it's for all of us. I will keep opening new doors in the season ahead. I am the great door opener. I shut older doors where your assignment is complete. There are new assignments. I'm making room for them instead. Remember, Every door I open, no one can shut. Then as he finished speaking, I instantly saw a vision of doors that's coming up on the screen. Just to give you an idea, it was like in a warehouse, this long row of doors. And um, there were different kinds, colors, different designs, handles, etc. And then I asked God, what is this? And this is what I felt. These are new doors of opportunity and assignments. And 1 Corinthians 16.9 came to mind. A great door for effective work was opened to me, and there were many who opposed me. But then that powerful promise of Jesus came as well, where Jesus says, See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And you know, some of these doors are adventurous unknowns and others have a sign on them. And one of the signs of saw is the door of hope. 
Jesus said, I am the door. And I feel in 2024, the door of hope will open for many. And there are other doors too that I don't have time to touch on. But to summarize, if I could encourage you, meditate on Psalm 24. Open the door of greater intimacy and Jesus will open the door of greater revelation. Let's prepare to be with purity for the doors to open for the King of glory. And then look for the doors of opportunity that God is going to open for you. So as David comes up, shall we just pray into this? Lord Jesus, I just say thank you that you are the great door opener. And Lord, we ask for great grace that we would open wide those doors of greater intimacy to go deeper into you. And that Lord, that open door already in heaven, that we would come up higher, closer to, to your heart. And Lord, receive increasing revelation from you. Lord, I pray that you would come. We invite you to come and spring clean that we would be your beautiful, holy, pure bride. And we are calling out, King of glory, would you come in your fullness? And Lord, thank you for those amazing doors of opportunities and assignments you have for each one. And Lord, I pray you will give them eyes to see. They will look and they will see the doors open that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, sweetheart. Actually, um, that's my iPad. <laughs> I think I might need that, actually. That would be really good. Um, we... Um, we got a, a newsletter from an international evangelist yesterday who d does crusades all through the world, and one of his opening paragraphs was, 2024 is the year of open doors. So I shared that with Greta just to confirm, you know, and I actually think we need to push through right now for a minute because some of you have had doors locked in your face. Some of you have felt God was distant, and this is your year to step through a door into greater intimacy. Uh, some of you have been battling and struggling with stuff, or the King of Glory wants to light a fire in you to bring greater purity to you and there's a whole bunch of you, there have been doors that have been locked in, in you and they've never opened, but this is a year where doors you've never seen open, they're gonna open, they're gonna swing open, doors of opportunity, doors into greater influence for the kingdom of God. And I reckon we ought to stand to our feet right now, come on, and we ought to just present ourselves before the Lord. And I'm just gonna uh, back on to what Greta's sharing and we, we just, whatever the doors, can you think about that right now? What are the doors you need to see open? Might be a dozen of them, it might be a few. It might be a door of salvation to someone you really care about. Um, <clears throat> you know, these doors of salvation need to swing open. So could you take 10 seconds right now just out and just think about the doors. And you know what? God is a God of surprise. You may not even know the doors right now that God's gonna open, but He does. And I think some of us are gonna discover doors we never thought possible. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, thank You for this Word You've given Greta. 
And we just decree and we speak to the doors in our lives that need to open. You know what they are, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I speak to every door that You've assigned and I declare, let it swing open in the Name of Jesus. We command doors that have been shut by the enemy, by human failure. We declare them to be opened in Jesus' Name. We declare, thank You, Lord, that what You open, no one shuts. And what You shut, no one opens. I pray for doors that are not meant to be open to close and new doors to swing in the mighty Name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask that Your Holy Spirit now will hover and overshadow each of our lives as we journey into 2024, that You will go ahead and open every door that Father has declared to be open in our lives this year in Jesus' Name. And everyone said, Amen. You can take your seats again. I didn't know Greta was gonna mention hope, but um, look, we've, I try once a year to bring our books because uh, I know there's always new po- people coming through the church. So they're available discounted to $20 this morning. There's this book on hope. If you want God to light a fire of hope in you right now in a world where hope is very, very precious and very absent in so many lives. Hope is more precious than gold, silver and oil. Let me tell you, this book will really light a fire of hope in you. So do check that out because of all the things that we need to be flowing in is hope. Then this book, Afterlife, if you've lost a loved one in recent years, somebody precious to you has died, uh, you know, that's a terrible valley to navigate through. But God is the God of the valley of the shadow of death. Is that right? And he can nav- so this book has got keys on how to navigate that grief and come out the other side whole and healed and ready for the next phase of your life. Um, but the majority of the book is about what happens to the person who dies, and it talks about the afterlife and heaven and the return of Christ and the resurrection and the new earth and the new kingdom that's going to be manifest on earth. So do check that out. And then if ever the church needed to be praying right now, it's now, is that right? What a mess the world's in. How to pray and change your world. Come on, a lot of us need to change our worlds or see God change our world. And so this book will really help equip you and again, light a fire for prayer in your life. So do check those out and I know that you'll be blessed. Hey, about two and a half thousand years ago, a prophet called Daniel had a vision. And in that vision, he saw all the future world empires stretching right down to the end of time. And, um, and, you know, God revealed various things to him. But the vision opens uh, with this, Daniel 7 verse 2. It says, In my vision that night, I, Daniel, saw a great storm churning the surface of a great sea with strong winds blowing from every direction. And if you go to Revelation 17, 15, you see that the sea in prophetic symbolism represents peoples and nations and masses of people. Revelation 17, 15 says that. So what Daniel was seeing, he was seeing the nations of the earth, the peoples of the earth and great turbulence and great storming. You know, world powers always arise out of turbulence. And we're in a turbulent 
season in history right now and something's brewing. And so he goes on and talks about it. You know, what I love about Daniel, he, he sees all these evil world empires rising, but then he sees a stone, a little stone, not cut out by human hands. And it comes and it strikes the statue that represents all these world empires and they shatter into dust. And this little stone grows to become a great mountain that fills the earth. That's the kingdom of God. That's that's what Jesus, it's come as a little rock. He came as a little rock, but how many know the kingdom that Jesus brought is going to become a great mountain that fills the earth. The mountain of the house of the Lord will be raised above every mountain in those days. But all that to say that before all that comes to pass, the world is going to be a very stormy place. And 2024 is gonna be no different. The winds are gonna keep blowing. The storms are gonna keep coming. And so we need to know how to overcome these spiritual storms that are being unleashed upon the planet today. And here's a definition of what a spiritual storm is. It's conditions, situations, and experiences that place us under such physical, emotional, and or spiritual pressure that we find it hard to function normally. And those don't happen all the time in our lives. I love the message Pastor Jody shared a few weeks ago on how our lives, it's it's a mixture of good and, and, you know, blessing and adversity, good and bad, and both things happen in our lives. And sometimes there's a season of one and a season of the other. Sometimes they're both concurrently. But when a storm comes, we need to know how to handle it. And these storms can be personal, They can be national, what's happening in the nation. They can be global, what's happening in the world. And they can affect us. And so we need to know how to overcome them. And so we're gonna discover the three types of spiritual storm this morning. And if we learn to recognise these types of storms, we'll know how to... Uh, we'll know how to react in an appropriate way and get through them and overcome. The first type of storm, uh, storms to resist. And this is a time to fight. Luke 8, 22 to 25, uh, Jesus says, let's cross to the other side of the lake to His disciples. So they got in a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke Him up shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, He rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. I love the fact Jesus sleeps in the storm. Don't you love that? It's like, come on, Lord, nothing phases. I'm just gonna have a nap, guys. (laughs) I've been busy ministering, so I'm just gonna put my head on the pillow if you don't mind. And, and, you know, the storm, oh, we're we're gonna sink, we're gonna drown, we're gonna, you know, and Jesus, no, no, it's okay. And He wakes up, rebukes the storm, and, and that's it. And, you know, some of us, we're wondering why has Jesus been asleep in our storm? Why hasn't He turned up? He's just totally at peace. He's gonna get you through that. And if it's a storm to resist, he'll rebuke it. But he wants to, you to learn how to resist it as well. And, and this was obviously a storm of demonic origin, otherwise he would have never rebuked it. Is that right? Uh, but he did and it stopped. Some examples of these types of storms would be like, for example, a sudden 
overpowering temptation that wants to propel you into doing something stupid and sinful. And it's kind of more than the natural temptations that all of us have, because Jesus said, you know, we've got a new spirit, we've got a willing spirit, but we've still got weak flesh till you get your resurrection body. So there's always gonna be temptation in life. And the Lord says, I'll give you grace to get through every temptation. But when it's so overwhelming, so strong, it's usually demonic and it's trying to get you to fall. The steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord and He delights in their way. Though they fall, they will not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds them with His hand. And even if we have had a fall, even if it's been a demonic thing that's pushed us down, we can get up again and know that God says, Jude 24, now to Him who is able to keep us from falling. And so we need to resist those things. Uh, another type of example can be an attack on our emotions for example, fear that turns a minor ache into the thought of a major illness. When the enemy just works in our minds through fear, it begins to magnify things and make them bigger than they really are. Or it can be an attack on a relationship where resentment and anger, it just becomes so overpowering because the devil wants to destroy a significant relationship, break a marriage, break a friendship, break a ministry relationship can be demonic. And so we need to resist these things. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I love that. You know, when you submitted to Father God, wow, you're under his authority, so you have authority. When you're on your own, doing your own thing, and you try and resist the devil, well, he just laughs in your face because we have authority because we're under authority. We submit to the Lord and resist the devil. Remember my first wife, Jane, um, she's in heaven now, but she suffered from migraine attacks from the age of three. And these migraines were pretty severe because they would put her in a bedroom for three days with, the, with dark, she couldn't eat, her head on the pillow, she could hardly lift it off. And when we were first married and I was observing this happening to her about every six weeks, I got really distressed and I got quite indignant that this should be happening to my wife. And so one day when she was undergoing another one of these attacks, she was in the bedroom, I went into the lounge um, and I just began to storm heaven. I said, Lord, would you deliver my wife? This is not, I felt it was demonic. You know, not every migraine is demonic. Some of it's physiological and, you know, biochemistry and all that stuff. And so not every disease is demonic, but some are. And I felt like this was one of those. This, I just felt an anger towards the devil. I said, Lord, would you set my wife free? And I said, devil, in the name of Jesus, take your hands off my wife. And I prayed for a little while and then I'd go into the bedroom and check, how are you doing? No change. I went back into the lounge, prayed again, checked again, no change. Did that four times, no change. Fifth time, went into the bedroom, and I went into the lounge and prayed in the same way again, storming heaven, resisting the devil, went into the bedroom and said, how are you doing? She said, it's gone. And she never had another migraine till the day she passed away. I often think, what if I'd given up on the third or fourth attempt? You know, I love it when you resist the devil and just in one hit, it's all over. But sometimes we've got to persist in resisting. Persist and resist, it's a good word. Son, you're just scratching your eye right now. 
God is going to open your eyes this year and you're going to see things you've never seen before in your life. And God is going to bring revelation into your life. He is going to light up your life. And the things that you discover about God that you've never known before are going to put such a light in here and you're going to be walking in the light of God and you're going, wow, I never knew that about God. And there's going to come a light from you because the more you get revelation, Greta talked about doors of revelation, the more you get light from heaven, the more it's going to shine out of you. So you get ready for that. Okay, second time of storms, storms to seek shelter from. This is a time to hide. Exodus 14, 14, the Israelites were being pursued by the Egyptians. They were, you know, the Red Sea was in front, mountains on the side, the army of the Egyptians behind them and they're panicking. And the Lord says to Moses, or he says to the people, the Lord will fight for you and you have only to be still. You know, at times, storms of great size arise in our lives beyond your control and you can't resist them. You actually have to hide in God in them. For example, moral, social, economic conditions, rocking society, rocking the world, wars and rumours of wars, all those sorts of things, moral decay, all the problems that we see in the nations today. We will be affected, but we don't have to be casualties. There's not a lot you can do about what's happening on the other side of the world, what some evil world, world ruler is doing, except to pray and to pray that God will change and keep praying that the kingdom would come and His will would be done on earth. And prayer is a powerful thing as we see storms raging in the nations, we can pray. But the fact of the matter is, you can't just resist it, you can intercede, you can pray, but in terms of the personal effect on our lives, we have to hide in God and trust. He's the God that's in control. He's still on the throne. He rules over the nations. And for a little while, well, the devil might look like he's got power, but how many know in the end, evil never wins. The devil is lost. He's been stripped of his power. He will build his church. The gates of hell will not prevail. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that he's Lord. We have to have that stance of faith. And we have to hide in God and say, well, Father, you've got this. And I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna be involved in mission to help bring transformation in the nations, but there's a whole lot of stuff beyond my control. I'm just resting in you, hiding in you. Another storm like that is persecution. Many of our brothers and sisters today cannot meet like we meet. If they do, they're under threat of death or they might be in a prison or a concentration camp. Or if they do meet together, it's they have to do it in secrecy or they lose their lives, or they're being murdered or killed or imprisoned or persecuted in some way. A storm of persecution, a storm of criticism, a storm of misunderstanding. And the worst thing you can do is try and defend yourself because you just gotta hide in God when people misunderstand you. I love, you know, healthy criticism's really good. Boy, have I learned some things because, well, 
you know, well-intentioned people who had my, in, my interests at heart shared, hey, if you, do, you know, don't do that, do this or whatever, that's good. But when criticism comes that's unjustified, there's a something in us that rises up that says, that's not fair, I want justice. And the, the temptation to lash out or explain yourself when really, I love what Moses did, he just fell on his face. He says, God, you deal with this. They're criticizing me. I'm trying to lead these people into your promised land. He just fell on it. Some of us need to fall on our face and keep this closed. Just talk to God about it. You won't heal the relationship by, by trying to explain it. Just hide in God. Another kind of storm like this is the death of a loved one. You know, if you've lost a loved one, you will know that that is a storm. There's, you can't resist it. There's, there's nothing you can do except hide in the Lord and let His peace and His rest and His grace escort you through. I love Psalm 57.1. It says this, I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until this violent storm is past. I love that. Isn't that a great picture? Some of us need to do that right now in some of the storms we might be facing. Some of you grandparents have got grandkids off the rail and boy, are you concerned for them. And you know, you have connection and you have love, but you can't influence their behaviour. And so what you gotta do is hide in God and say, Lord, I commit them into your hands and I'm gonna just trust you. Would you fight for them? Would your kids or whatever? And then the final type of storm I wanna talk about is storms to endure. This is a time to stand. So we've had storms to resist, which is a time to fight. Uh, storms to seek shelter in, that's a time to hide. And this is now storms to endure, which is a time to stand. Acts 27, 22 to 26, Paul is being taken a prisoner to Rome. Uh, he's on a sailing ship. They get caught in a storm and a hurricane force storm for two weeks. And so we pick up the story in verse 22. It says, The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. There's a few people in here, there's been a storm raging in your life for a number of years now, and it seems to have blotted out the sun and stars. And you can't see hope and you can't see light at the end of the tunnel. And I wanna tell you today, you are hearing a word both from Greta about open doors and from me that there is the potential in 2024 for you to see a breakthrough in that area. Where the sun will shine again and, and the clouds will clear and you will see the light. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, take courage, none of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in His goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God, it will be just as He said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. I really laugh when I read this. It's like, you know, Paul's, ah, take courage, friends. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna stand before Caesar and uh, probably be thrown into a prison and beheaded, but never mind. Uh, we're gonna be shipwrecked and, um, you know, but never mind. Um, we're gonna get through this. It's like, talk about Mr. Positivity. And I wonder whether Paul had heard the story from the other apostles about Jesus rebuking the storm. I reckon he would have tried that, don't you think? 
the great Apostle Paul, I'm sure he would have got up to, I resist this thing in the name of Jesus. And it didn't work. See, when it's a storm to endure, you can resist all you like, won't change it. Because you actually have to go through it. Some storms we're to resist because we're not meant to go through them. Other storms we're meant to go through because God is doing something in our lives. And then he he says, um, look, he says, you know, an angel appeared to me last night. And the angel had all this amazing, amazing news. Well, you know, you're gonna be shipwrecked. You're gonna go to stand before Caesar. But listen, God in His goodness, gonna spare all your life. I don't know, some of us would say, what, God in His goodness? How could God in His goodness be letting me have the storm for two weeks in the boat? A good God surely wouldn't let me be in this situation. But you know what? A good God will permit us to be in those situations because He wants to bring you through more like Jesus than you've ever been. And there are times in your lives you and I will face those storms and He'll send angelic comfort and He'll send angelic strength and the anointing of the Spirit to get you through that thing, bring you out the other side so you're more like Him than when you went into it. God and His goodness. People really question the goodness of God in this type of storm. Oh, it's just going on and on, Lord, come on. I'm praying, when's it gonna end? He knows the moment. He knows the time. He won't let you last a second longer in that storm than He doesn't want you to. It amuses me that God went to all the trouble of sending an angel to bring encouragement, but not to stop the storm. And sure enough, if you read the story, they were shipwrecked on the island of Malta and everybody got off safely and Paul ended up in Rome, etc. And the rest of the story you can read in the book of Acts. Sometimes these guys were in a storm for two weeks. Sometimes we can be in such a storm for not only weeks, but maybe months or years or even decades. But it always has a good outcome. Because you see, great character can be developed in these types of storms. Suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And when you've been through a storm, you're gonna come out the other side with such hope burning in you. You know, you know what hope is, eh? a confident and patient expectation of future good because you've gone through a storm. You know God got you through it. God got you out of that. God did something in your life. You are full of hope because you know whatever happens in the world, whatever happens in my life, wow, He is the God that gets you through storms. He is the stuff, there's good things on the other side of the storm. And so you, you come out with character that you didn't have when you went into it. And we need to understand it's a mistake to think that Christian maturity is winning every battle. Sometimes we appear to be defeated. Sometimes we appear to lose, but we don't actually lose. It may look like that, but if you maintain your faith, you come out with treasure that you would never have had. You may not get the outcome you wanted, but you come out with something even more precious. I mean, Greta and I never got healing of our spouses. They went to be with the Lord, but we got something even more precious out of that journey. And they certainly haven't been promoted to heaven than we would have got had we had deliverance on earth. 
There was a young Christian teenager in America called Elizabeth, probably early teens, 13 or 14. She was abducted by two, a man and a woman. For nine months, they held her in captivity and daily she was physically and sexually assaulted, which left her broken. And after nine months, she she made the conscious decision to endure and survive. And after nine months, she was finally freed and restored to her family. And this is what she says today. Got a picture of her coming up. I'm grateful for what has happened to me because of what it has taught me. When you're faced with a trial, don't give up, don't surrender, move forward because you never know what you'll be able to do with it. You'll never know the lives you'll be able to touch. Wow. Nine months of daily sexual and physical abuse. And she's like that. She knows God. And now she goes all over the place sharing her story in blessing and encouraging other lives. In conclusion, storms to resist teaches spiritual warfare. Storms to seek shelter from teaches to trust God. Storms to endure change our character. And whatever storms you and I face and whatever we're going through personally, nationally, globally, you need to know the Lord Jesus stands at your side through His Holy Spirit and His, His desire is to get you through And the Holy Spirit's great. If you start saying, well, Lord, what sort of storm is this? He will start showing you. He will start making it very clear uh, as to the kind of storm it is and therefore the kind of response that you need to have. And you know what? There are some circumstances that blow into your life that are a combination of all three storms. There's a demonic element, there's an element beyond your control and there's a part where you just got to endure. And when you counter those after having resisted the enemy, after having found your rest hiding in God, you just have to endure until you get through it. And He will get you through.